some of you may know, but I'm sure most of you don't, is that my mother is a baker. Now, one of the lasting tragic effects of her brain surgery many, many, many years ago is her inability to focus in the kitchen like she used to. And when it came to cooking and baking, my mother was laser focused. I mean, she, she baked everything, cakes, pies, cookies, sweet rolls, everything. And she baked everything from scratch. And she baked almost every day. And I know this because every day we had bread. Isn't that right, honey? Her specialty was dinner rolls. There was not a community event. There was not a church function. There was not a wedding or a funeral that did not have a large pan of my mother's fresh-baked dinner rolls. Our house smelled of fresh-baked bread. And if she had a large batch that she had to get to, she would rise early in the morning, and when you would wake up, you would smell fresh baked bread. And so I don't exaggerate, I don't exaggerate when I say we had bread every day because bread was a staple on our dinner table. We literally had dinner rolls or cornbread either freshly baked or left over from the previous day with every meal. I didn't know a meal without bread growing up. I can't imagine anybody who did. And as you can imagine, when I got married, I just figured that that tradition and understanding would naturally continue. Amen? Bread at every meal just was, was without question. We didn't have to put that in the prenuptial. That was just understood. What is more basic than that? Well, my wife was not so enthusiastic about that understanding. And in fact, my wife will tell you how tired she got of hearing me ask the same question at dinner time. What was it, honey? Where's the bread? Where's the bread? This is the question, isn't it? This is the question. This is the question that was being asked of Jesus. 
we continue reading in John chapter 6. Those who sought Jesus and eventually found him were asking, where's the bread? Where's the bread? A little context. You might recall the day after Jesus had provided food at this unforgettable feast for over 5,000 by the sea, but this crowd was now looking for him again. And they had heard, they had heard, as we saw last week, they had heard that Jesus had went to the other side of the sea in the night with his disciples. Little did they know that he didn't just go, but actually he walked, right? He walked most of the way to the other side of the sea. And, and, and because they had seen the boats, they had seen the boats on the other side, then they, they decided that they would go to the place where Jesus had crossed through the night, and there they would look for him, and they would find him. But when they got to the other side, the Bible tells us that Jesus was nowhere to be found. He had already departed. So notice what it says in verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, then they gathered the boats that they could, and they went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. Now, why would they go to Capernaum? Why did they immediately just leave there and go to Capernaum? Well, beloved, because Capernaum is where Jesus' family lived. You might recall that in John chapter 2 and, and verse 12 where the Bible says concerning after Jesus had been at the wedding and had turned the water into wine. And in verse 12 it says, after the wedding they had gone there to Capernaum to stay with his mother and his siblings. In other words, Jesus had just gone home again. Jesus had just gone home. And since they knew where home was for Jesus, they traveled to Capernaum looking for him, and eventually they find him. They find Jesus in Capernaum. In fact, they find him in the synagogue. And they wonder, they wonder, they, they ask him, and they wonder how he managed to get there so quickly. They had labored. They had struggled to get, get across the sea and then back across the sea and then into Capernaum and to find him. And it seems like he had gotten there so quickly. And they wondered how he managed to do it so quickly. But you notice in the text that Jesus is not interested in their small talk. He knew the reason for their quest. He knew the motive for their questions. He knew the reason for their coming. He knew what motivated them. He always knows. You realize that? The Lord always knows. God always knows the intents and purposes of the heart. He always does, beloved. What it says in Psalm 139, verse 2. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. 
earlier, earlier in, in John chapter 2 and verse 25, you might re- remember, describes and illustrates the sovereign knowledge of Christ in this regard. Right? So no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Christ knows. God knows. And that's why with God, beloved, honesty is always the best policy. Honesty is always the best policy with God. He knew why they were there. Not because they wanted Jesus per se, but they wanted what they thought Jesus could give them. How Jesus might provide another meal. How Jesus might perform another trick. And Jesus was not interested in their charade. Jesus was not interested in playing their game. And therefore, to their inquiry of, 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 teacher, how did you get here so fast? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, in verse 26, you are seeking me not because you saw the sign, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You're not seeking me because you saw the sign and wanted to better understand what the sign signified. You come to me because your bellies are empty, you're hungry, and you just want to eat some more. Should be a reminder to us, beloved, that just Jesus is not interested and he is not in it for empty praise. Jesus is not in this for a pat on the back. He's not in it for our congratulations. He is not in it for our applause to his miracles. The Bible tells us that Jesus came for true worshipers. He came to accomplish the Father's will in gathering his sheep. He knows why he came. He knows why they came. You know what else he knows? He knows why you came this morning. Are you sure? He knows why you come every Sunday morning. Are you sure? Ask yourself the question, why did you come? Why did you come this morning? Why are you here this morning? Why have you logged on to this live stream this morning? You do understand, beloved, that people go to church for all sorts of reasons. They go to church, and they come to church for all kinds of reasons. Life is hard, and they're hoping to find a way to make it easier. And somebody said, why don't you just go to church? They come because it was what they were taught as a child. Mama said, go to church, so I'm going to church. They come because they're looking for a partner. They're looking for a husband, or they're looking for a wife. Somebody said, you need to go to church. (laughs) 
They come because they're looking for someone to help them teach and train their children. They come because a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or girlfriend told them that they need to come to church with them. They're looking, they're looking for a jumping singles ministry. They're looking for a professional sounding music or, or a choir. They're looking for a large and creative children's ministry. People come to church for all kinds of reasons, beloved. People come to get their feelings fed and their bellies full. But notice what Jesus said to all that. In verse 27 of, verse of chapter 6, he says to them, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. In other words, don't labor only for the bread that will eventually go bad. You have labored all this time. You have searched for me all this time only so that you might get bread that eventually is going to go stale, that eventually is going to go bad, that eventually is going to get moldy, that eventually is going to smell and lose its taste. Don't come if you're looking for the window dressing. Don't waste your time if you're only looking to get your belly filled. Don't look for the fun. Don't come if all you're looking for is to be entertained. But look for eternal life this morning, beloved. Look for what God is doing this morning. Come and listen. Come and labor for the message of the kingdom of God. When they heard Jesus say that, someone spoke up and asked a question. In verse 28. Then they asked him, well, what must we do then to do the works God requires? What must we do then to do the works that God requires? This is the question, really, beloved, at the heart of the matter. This is the question that everyone must answer this, that must an have answered this morning. This is the essential question. It is reminiscent of the young, the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17 when he comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question. This is the question of questions. It is, it is the question that we find on the lips of the expert in the law in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. When again he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Beloved, this is the question on the heart, the mind, and the lips of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30. Where he says, looks at Paul and Silas and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? These are the all-important questions. 
this is the question that gets to the heart of the matter. This is the question you need answered this morning. Not whether or not the Hawks can win the first round of the playoffs. That's not the question. Not whether or not there are refreshments after service. That's not the question. Not how many eligible singles are in the church. That's not the question. The question, beloved, the question, what must I do to please God and have eternal life? If you have come with any other question at the heart of your questioning, you have not come with the right motives, with the right desires. I come to church every Sunday. And what I want to hear Pastor Fee, tell me, how can I inherit eternal life? Tell me again how I can inherit eternal life. Feed me again on the word that brings eternal life. And Jesus gives them the answer. He says in verse 29, Believe in him whom God has sent. Now, beloved, this is interesting. This is an interesting response. Because you notice, they didn't ask Jesus what they had to believe. They asked Jesus what they had to do. What must we do? Why? Because this is the heart of man-made, self-made religion. This is what people want. This is what most people come to church want. They want to know what to do. This is why we get so enamored with the religion of ten bullet points. We get so enamored with the religion of five steps. This is why we're so fascinated when somebody tells us that there's five love languages, or they tell us that there's seven habits of effective people, or they tell us that there's nine personality traits. We get so fascinated with all this because we want to know what to do. And Jesus says, in the kingdom, there is only one bullet point. In the kingdom, there is only one step. Believe in him. This is what Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer in Acts 6 and 31. What must I do to be saved, they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the one God has sent. Believe he is the bread of life. As I said in the beginning, beloved, we had bread every day growing up. 
But in this, beloved, the reality of it is that we were not alone. Bread is a staple in diets all around the world. Considered to be the most popular food source in the world. There is not a people group known in the world that does not have some form of bread in their diet. Everyone eats bread. Because bread is not only important and valued, but bread is essential. Especially when the Bible speaks of bread. When the Bible uses the word bread, it uses the word bread as a metonym for food. Don't miss that. When the Bible says bread, it is using bread as a representation of food in general. Food. It is used to refer to the basic sustenance of life. If you have bread, i.e. food, you have life. If you don't have bread, i.e. food, you don't have life. This is why Jesus could say, right, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, when he's been tempted by Satan, he says to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In other words, it is not just food you need to survive, but the word of God, or better yet, even God himself. Listen, beloved, yes, yes, we need earthly food. Yes, we need earthly bread. Earthly food gives life. But if that's the case, then how much more does heavenly food, how much more does the bread of heaven bring life? Why? Because Jesus says here, and don't miss this, in verse 32, that the bread of heaven is the true bread, the true food. Jesus is the true bread, like the true shepherd, like the true vine. Jesus is the true shepherd. He is the true bread, the bread that doesn't just give life, the bread that gives eternal life. Eternal life. This is the only bread that gives eternal life. And therefore, this is the most important bread. This is the most valuable bread. This is the all-essential bread. This is the bread that everyone needs. This is the bread that everyone can have. There is not a people group 
known upon the face of the earth that cannot use and have and need this bread. The true bread. The true bread. Because Jesus is the true bread. Because only Jesus can fill you. Only Jesus can save you. And only Jesus can keep you safe. That's what this bread does. This bread fills you. This bread saves you. And this bread keeps you saved. This is the true bread. This is the bread that satisfies you, right? Satisfies you. And in John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Now, when Jesus made this statement, it was clear and they understood what he was saying because he had already alluded to that remarkable and unforgettable and most memorable event in the Old Testament when God sent manna, when God sent bread to the Israelites in the wilderness. You recall Exodus chapter 16 after God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt by his power and by his might, they brought them in, he brought them into the desert. And as they are walking and wandering their way to the desert, they have no food. They have no bread. They have nothing to eat. And chapter 16 and verse 3 tells us that they thought they were going to starve because they had no food and they had no means of getting food. And then God comes in chapter 16 and verse 4, and he literally sent them bread from heaven. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. God gave them food for a day. And then the next day, they would be hungry again, and they would have to go out, and he would give them food for a day. And then they would be hungry again, and God would send them out and give them food for a day. And God would have to send bread from heaven again and again and again and again. It was remarkable, it was amazing, it was miraculous. And here, Jesus comes and he says, you thought the bread in the wilderness was something. What God gave your parents in the wilderness was just the appetizer. I am the main course. They ate bread for a day. And the next day they were hungry again. Jesus is the bread that feeds. But he not only feeds, he fills. He is the bread 
that satisfies. You come to Jesus to get fed. You don't have to go to anyone else. You don't have to go anywhere else. He is the true bread. You know what happened to the bread in the wilderness, beloved? If they tried to keep it for a day, it went stale. It got worms. It started to stink. Like the bread of this world. Like all of the breads that, that we eat all the time and try to satisfy our fleshly appetites, eventually those breads go stale. They grow moldy. They begin to stink. True bread never gets stale. beloved. It never grows old. It never goes bad. It never runs out. Jesus is Fresh baked bread every day. Every day. Can you smell him? The, the fresh baked bread of the aroma of life. He wants to wake you up in the morning to the aroma of new mercies. He wants to lay you down at night with the aroma of new graces. He wants to be the bread that satisfies your soul. He wants your song to be in the morning, give me Jesus. And he wants your song in the evening to be, Christ is all. Because he is all in all. This world to me. This is the bread. The true bread. Because this is the bread that feels feeds and satisfies. But it's not just the bread that satisfies, beloved. This is the bread that saves you. It saves you. Notice what Jesus said again in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This bread saves your life. Without bread, without bread in the wilderness, the children of Israel were going to die. God sent bread <coughs> so they could live. You understand that? God sent them bread so they could live. This is why God sent Jesus. Around the world, around the world today, bread is commonly known as the staff of life. Countries all over the world. The symbol of life is a loaf of bread. Because people with bread have hope. Starving people who get bread live. 
Without Christ, beloved, the world is dying. Without Christ, you and I would be dying. And Jesus said in verse 33 of chapter 6, He is the bread that gives life to the world. He is the sustenance that gives life to the world. He is the one sent from heaven so that we might live. God sent Jesus to save. Whoever comes, he says, shall not go hungry. Whoever believes shall not thirst. Coming to Jesus saves. Believing in Jesus saves. Those who come believe. Those who believe come. That's why the songwriter is right when he says, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one. Lay down thy head upon my breast. And I came to Jesus just as I was, weary and wounded and sad. And I found in him a resting place. And he, the bread of life, has made me glad. Beloved, ask yourself the question, did you come this morning to see Jesus. All who believe come, and all who come believe. But why did you come? Why did you come? Why did you log on this morning? Did you log on to see Jesus? Did you log on this morning to hear Jesus? Jesus saves all those who come to him, who truly come to him. He turns no one away who truly comes to him, who doesn't come to him for a trick who doesn't come to him for a handout, but who comes to him because they want to be saved, who comes to him because they want eternal life. Why have you come this morning? Have you come to see Jesus? Have you come to hear Jesus? Is this why you have come this morning? If it is, if it is, beloved, not only does Jesus promise to save you this morning, but he promises to keep you saved. He promises to keep you saved. Notice what he says in verse 37. And all those the Father gives me, what will they do? They will come to me. Not because I performed a miracle. Not because they got their bellies full. But because they want eternal life. And all those whom the Father has given to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Notice what he says in verse 40. For my Father's will 
is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Beloved, for 40 years, for 40 years, God supplied manna in the desert for the children of Israel. 40 years. Day after day, the bread would come down. But that manna stopped when they reached the promised land. And God didn't send them bread from heaven anymore. Then they had to fend for themselves off the land. You know what is the beautiful thing about the bread of life that God has sent from heaven in Christ is that Christ never stops feeding. Jesus is good for today. Jesus is good for tomorrow. Jesus is good for all eternity. In the wilderness, that bread came that they might have life. Jesus comes and gives eternal life, beloved. Did you hear that? He comes to give eternal life. I know some people like to believe that you can lose eternal life, that you can have eternal life today and not have eternal life tomorrow. But the Jesus of John chapter 6 doesn't give us life today and take it back tomorrow. It is not called temporary life. It is called eternal life. This bread does not just come to give life. It comes, he comes to give eternal life. And those whom he saves, he keeps saved. This is important to understand, beloved. Because eternal life is not something you get when you die. Eternal life is what all those have who come and believe in Christ Jesus right now. The promise is not just that today you will be his, but the ultimate promise is that on the last day you will still be his. You're still his. And this is the confidence. This is the confidence with which we live the Christian life. I am not confident because I am keeping Jesus. I am confident because Jesus is keeping me. That's, that's, that's what the songwriter, George Robertson, had so right. When he said, his forever only his, who the Lord and me shall part. Ah, with what a rest of bliss Christ can feel the loving heart. 
heaven and earth may fade and and flee, firstborn light and gloom decline, but while I and God shall be, I am his, and he is mine forever. Bread of heaven, bread of life, I am yours, and you are mine. Feed us, feed us, feed us. 